during that year, I realized that I have a humongous gaping hole, uh, which is traditionally referred to a God-sized hole, uh, and that I needed something to, to fill it in. And so I started eight sleeping, <clears throat> which just sleeping by eight hours a day, I, I, I lost 20 pounds. Uh, then eating a lot more greens, then I went to a detox retreat, uh, and I started doing um, a lot more exploration in meditation and yoga. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators reimagining the future of health. I'm Logan Plaster. Quick note for accredited investors before we launch the episode. Last quarter, we launched the Startup Health Moonshots Impact Fund. It's a unique rolling fund that makes it easy to gain exposure to a diversified global portfolio of private health innovation companies. Information on the fund and how to start investing is at healthmoonshots.com. Now, on to the show. This episode is a conversation with Victor Panev, the CEO and founder of Edamom, which joined Startup Health in 2013. Panev is a leader in the food as medicine movement, this idea that what we eat has an awfully big impact on our health and a range of chronic diseases. So with Edamom, Panev built up one of the world's most comprehensive food databases. It's a food data API that companies like Amazon, Microsoft, and the Food Network, to name just three, use to deliver more personalized and accurate information to customers. But this interview isn't just about food as medicine. We invited Victor onto this fireside chat because of how he thinks. Like so many founders, Panev went through a phase with his first startup where he worked all day and he stressed all night. He didn't sleep enough, he gained weight, he was unhealthy and unhappy. That led to a crisis moment that opened the door to an entirely new way of thinking and eventually radically changed how he managed his company. In this conversation, we learn how Victor embraced healthy habits, both in body and mind and for his team, while also remaining ambitious and driven in his startup. This conversation was hosted by my colleague, Ann Dordai, and was attended by founders from the startup health community. Hope you enjoy. To, to kick things off, um, I'll, I'll have Victor, you kind of give us a little bit of background on your personal journey as a, a mindful entrepreneur. I think it's it's really important um, to, to start from the very beginning because I know that you um, you began on, as an entrepreneur with dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of um, managing those emotions, managing that that um, balance between being an entrepreneur and being a, a mindful entrepreneur. So I'd love to hear your personal journey um, to start. Right. right. Uh, well, thank you, Anne. Um, so first of all, I, I didn't start as a mindful entrepreneur. Uh, that kind of, you know, got built over time. Uh, but the story that you're referring to was that um, that would be probably 11, 12 years ago. Um, I um, was back in Bulgaria where I'm now, right now, and I uh, was leading my last startup, which, uh, you know, we built the largest internet company in Bulgaria, very successful but it came with tremendous amount of stress. Um, you know, I came into the company when it was 50 people, I grew it to 130, uh, market leader, constant negotiations, constant hiring, firing, uh, growing the company. Uh, and at the same time, I was a single father. I had just divorced and uh, I had taken over the care of my son. So layer that on top. Uh, and I had a life that was a wreck from a health perspective. Uh, I uh, was 
probably sleeping five, six hours, and that probably sounds familiar to a lot of a lot of folks, constantly running 120 miles an hour, uh, constantly uh, having been put in different directions to make decisions. Um, and um, as a result, I put a lot of weight. I was constantly stressed, uh, started losing hair, you know, the, all the usual signs, physical signs of, of a distressed mind-body. Uh, and luckily, we sold the company. Um, so after that, um, you know, I had a year of transition, but I, I took a year off. I took a year off. I came back to the States. Uh, and, and during that year, I realized that I have a humongous gaping hole, uh, which is traditionally referred to a God-sized hole, uh, and that I needed something to, to fill it in. And so I started, A, sleeping, <clears throat> which just sleeping by eight hours a day, I, I, I lost 20 pounds. Uh, then eating a lot more greens, then I went to a detox retreat, uh, and I started doing um, a lot more exploration in meditation and yoga. I had been practicing yoga for about 10 years, but it was purely that physical vinyasa slash hatha, Western style yoga, and I started dabbling a lot more into um, the pranayama and meditation aspects of yoga. Uh, and little by little, that kind of seeped into my professional life. Um, and I found a place where things are very balanced and I'm happy no matter what. Uh, and it took time, uh, obviously it took time, but, uh, but here we are. And so I'm, I'm happy to, to share that journey. But the story was, I was on a, on a course to shorten my life significantly and be very sick. And uh, uh, luckily I was, I was able to kind of get hold of that and, and turn it around. Nice. So, so I think that that you know you you sort of touched on on getting into um, much more mindful practice and becoming a more balanced entrepreneur. But I think that that it's definitely probably a question that's on a lot of entrepreneurs' mind, which is how do you actually balance that that you know staying uh, calm and relaxed, but also having that mindset necessary to be an entrepreneur, which is you know usually quite grueling and and very. Um, very demanding. So just curious how you found that that balance and how you sort of maintain yeah. that now. It, it is a mindset. And I know Steve and Unity have kind of hammered into our heads, you know, the whole mindset uh, approach. But it is a mindset. There is nothing that is that urgent. Um, you know, if I, I've come to a, to a few realizations over my time is that you can put all your effort into something uh, and you probably split it up by five or ten percent, but at the end, it's gonna. It has its own natural life, its own natural time, and all you can do by trying too hard is getting stressed. Uh, and then the other thing is realizing that if you're in for the long haul, you need to have that help. You know, if you're running marathon, you're not sprinting the first kilometer. You kind of have to be you know, at an even pace. And that just means prioritizing healthy habits, you know, prioritizing meditation, prioritizing going to the gym, prioritizing cooking dinner with the family, prioritizing taking vacation uh, and doing all those things. Um, they don't necessarily interfere with the business. I think that there's a misconception and kind of a little bit of the, the mentality of like, oh, yeah, I'm not working too hard. I'm not working hard enough. And, you know, I'll, I'll get out competed. The reality is if you're rested and focused, uh, in, you know, the, the proverbial Tim Ferriss four-hour workday, you know, in four hours, you can probably sneak in 12 hours of stressed work. And so 
uh, that's kind of the, the realization. And it comes down to practice. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard that and said, yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, once you have the realization, it is really practicing it and making it happen. And then when it becomes a habit, it becomes easy. And then you realize, yeah, it's true. So don't know if I answered the question, but uh, but I guess it comes oh, down to you got, you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, it's it's about finding that finding that balance and, and maintain. It sounds like consistency in the, in the mindset is really key, making sure that it's a daily practice. Um, and on that kind of note, you mentioned a couple of things that I think you know you talked about meditation and cooking dinner with your family. Um, what are some of your what are some of the other daily habits, daily healthy habits that you really you know focus on on prioritizing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I can, I think probably most helpful would be to run it through one of my days. Yeah. Uh, and because they don't differ. And, and, and I, I have a somewhat unusual approach. I don't take weekends to be that different than weekdays. Uh, I rest every day and, you know, I, I work every day. Uh, and I enjoy my work. So um, uh, on weekends, obviously, there are social uh, demands and I, the, the schedule is slightly different, but I do the same things that are related to mindfulness every day. So get up early in the morning, I usually get up 4.35, um, take a cold shower, have an hour of meditation. Um, and then I, before I start work, I you know make a couple, cup of green tea um, and kind of slowly starts becoming aware of the day. You know, I usually, if, if the sun is right and I have the luxury of living in Los Angeles, where I get to see sun, sunrises um, and um, get exposed to, to sunlight. Uh, and then that takes about an hour and a half to two hours of my day. And you know, a lot of people may think this is, this is crazy, but that gets you set in such a mindset to work that when I get to work, uh, and which is usually about 90 minutes to two hours, not more, like about 60 to 90 minutes. And I, I make sure I get up every 30 to 40 minutes, walk around, uh, walk outside. I have I have a backyard, which is very nice. But um, do any any of those things. Um, but have very concentrated six to ninety minutes. Um, and then around 10, 30, 11, I'll I'll go and and work out. Um, you know, do either run on the beach, go to the gym, swim, whatever it is. That is a peak time for me to work out. I you know other people work out at different times, but I do make sure I do physical activity. Um, then. Uh, make lunch and, and get back to another bout of work, which kind of lasts until 5 p.m. And then usually at that time, my son's back home from, from school uh, and I love cooking. I mean, that's why I started that a mom. You know? So uh, I, I have a, you know, between five and seven, cook, um, eat dinner with the family, chat and whatnot. And maybe I will check email around 6.37, but normally I try to be done with, with work by 6 p.m. So in reality, I work probably five hours fully, but they're very focused five hours. And I have found that to be enough um, compared to days that I used to work very, very hard. The, the output of my work day is similar, even though I work only those five, four or five hours. So the daily habits, I mean, meditation, working out, um, standing up every our, you know, eating, you know, lunch and dinner and, and breakfast, uh, you know, and I do a little bit of intermittent fasting. I leave at least 12 hours, but you can still kind of prepare delicious food, which is, you know, uh, food, not just for the body, but for the, for the mind and the soul. So those are, those are some of the habits. Um, and I do a lot of biohacking. So I inter, 
you know, every week I may be trying or a month, maybe trying different things, but this is kind of the steady uh, habit of my, of my day. Uh, and, and that happens on weekends as well. Nice. So, so I, I think that, you know, the way you've structured your day is, is clearly very balanced. And um, I imagine it wasn't like that previously, as you mentioned, you know, you were working crazy hours before. Um, so, so how did you incrementally get from, you know, right. A to point B, where you are now very mindful, very, you know, cognizant of when you're working and when you're off? Um, how did you really take those steps to get to where you are now? Yeah, so it does sound, you know, if you, uh, if I were me 10 years ago to where I'm now, be like, no way, I can't do that change. <laughs> uh, the reality is like any behavior change, and, and a lot of the folks here are probably grappling with, uh, you know, how do we do behavior change? Um, a lot of the behavior change is starts with one thing at a time. You know, you change one habit at a time, and then work at it three, four, six months, whatever it is, until it becomes an ingrained habit, and then you change another habit. And it's not like I had a plan, you know, those are the habits I'm going to change and I'm going to work the first six months on that and the next six months on that. It just kind of naturally happened. Uh, I was lucky to start with probably what I think would be the most important thing, which is sleep. Um, and, and just say, look, I need to sleep eight hours and it's going to be my top priority, <laughs> no matter what. I'm going to be in bed. I'm going to be sleeping for eight hours, which actually means being in bed nine hours, nine and a half hours for me. Um, and, um, and, and once that became a habit, uh, and I started, um, you know, picking up, uh, different habits around eating, I, you know, put a lot more greens, I changed my diet, but, you know, it was incremental learning and studying, you know, different ways to cook that are, uh, a lot more health promoting one thing at a time. Um, you know, meditation, I started with. The first meditation course was transcendental meditation, 20 minutes. If people have done it, they know. I, you know, used to do 10 minutes. Um, so now I do an hour to an hour and a half uh, without even thinking about it. But obviously you start with something small uh, and just be consistent. You know, I've missed only two days of meditation in the last 10 years. So, and I, I know the, the exact two days. <laughs> so. That's, wow, that's, that's shocking. And I think, you know, that, that consistency is very admirable. I think, you know, there's few things that I've been able to accomplish and, and, and do every day for the last, you know, 10 years. So that's very incredible. Um, so I think that, you know, at least for myself, I, I would imagine a, quite a lot of other entrepreneurs who are kind of envious of this. Um, a lot of people want to have these habits. A lot of people want to be, you know, not just healthier, but more mindful, more, um, I think, efficient and productive with their time, which you clearly have gotten to. Um, so, but they often don't change. And a lot of these people don't actually take those steps to, um, to, to get themselves to the point that you're at now. Why do you think that is? Well, for the obvious reason, change is hard, you know, uh, and we are creatures of habit. And it's very easy to fall back into the grooves of the habits that you know and that feel familiar. Uh, and, and shifting to a new habit it requires effort. You know, it requires actual expenditure of energy, which, you know, us being, you know, trying to optimize our metabolic you know, expenditure of energy and not trying to, to do any of those things. Any change is very hard to um, to do, and so that's why it is important to do small changes, right? Something that doesn't require that much effort, 
Um, there is a guy, maybe some of you have read this book called James Clear. He's got something called Atomic Habits. And he's got a very good kind of method of, okay, how do you change your life? You know, how, what are the small little increments that you can do to change your life? Um, and, and, and I think if you have that approach, then it becomes easy. But the, the basic reason why people don't do it is just have, changing habits is difficult. Sort of taking a step back and looking a little bit larger at um, the, the industry as a whole, um, I'm curious what you think, um, looking ahead, where health and nutrition is going in the future, and, and may that be, you know, personally as well as um, professionally and within, you know, a professional working, um, uh, like working space. What your, what your thoughts yeah. are there. Well, that, that's a very open-ended question. So uh, uh, let, me, let me give you my dream, um, and which I've, I've spoken about uh, quite, quite at length before, but I basically believe that people can live to 120 at the very least um, without chronic conditions, without mental illness, without stress, um, happy, fulfilled lives. Um, and I believe that food is an important element of that. It's, it's you know, lifestyle in general, but food is a very important element of that. And, and, and so what I, what I hope will happen, and I, it's not gonna be easy and it's probably gonna take longer than I think, but what I hope would happen is we end up uh, in a place where humanity as a whole has a lot more mindful agricultural practices. So we, we, we think about regenerative agriculture, uh, that, um, you know, carbon capture, healthy soil with microorganisms that fill our food with micronutrients that have been depleted. Um, we have mindful way to distribute food uh, and prepare it in a way that it doesn't get wasted. You know, 30, 40% of food currently gets wasted, uh, thrown out um, by households that don't cook it, by restaurants that don't sell it, by grocery stores. Uh, and there's there are technologies to do that. So um, you know, in, in the kind of the vein of mindfulness, I think there is mindfulness to be brought to that element, and and that obviously will help climate as a whole. Um, and I think that the last element is mindful eating. You know, eat to nourish yourself. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not fan of, of of diets and whatnot. I I believe that you know people that go to extremes and say, oh, I'm gonna be keto for the rest of my life. I'm gonna be vegan for the rest of my life. And there might be good reasons why you do that. Uh, and I'm not saying that's not the right choice. But but I think being mindful of why you do it and stick with it and being open to change is a, is an important thing. And I think mindful eating habits will be ultimately to get them with a you know food full of nutrients that is you know delivered at the right time and it's fresh uh, and it doesn't get wasted will get us to a place where we uh, as a humanity will have just longer health spans um, and that's that's kind of my dream and i i don't know if I answered the open-ended question, but that's that's what I hope, uh, and that's what we're building towards at Adam Mom and uh, with with everybody else that is in that in that space. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I think I I, I know recently there've been a, uh, quite a few new companies popping up that are focused on eliminating food waste, and so it's definitely sort of you see things moving in that direction. Hopefully, it'll be you know at a faster pace and and get there on the on the timeline that you outlined, but. Hopefully. Yeah, unless unless we boil ourselves before that, but that is, uh, it, it, I I think we're kind of in that race that 
we got to get to being you know, change consciousness of humanity at large scale. <laughs> so yeah. otherwise we'll, and I, I don't like to pontificate, but you know, all the evidence is that, you know, the way the temperatures are rising, we might, we might end up with, <laughs> uh, with a significant amount of humanity being really badly impacted. So hopefully that will come sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm definitely um, on your side on that one. I think it's a huge important issue and our healthcare is massively going to be affected by by that as well. So it's it's um, it's all kind of intertwined. You can't really have one um, one aspect of the world, the climate fail and then expect everything else to maintain. So um, definitely, yeah. definitely see that perspective. Um, so kind of bringing it back to to sort of Edamom and your personal leadership style. Curious, um, how do you take the, the healthy habits that you've established and sort of work that into your leadership style? And then additionally, how that sort of reflects and how you care for your employees? Uh, so there are a couple aspects, you know, I, I don't make anyone do anything they don't want to do. So that that's one one thing. And, and you know, work with the employees is working with um, and I, I don't even like the, the classification of employer and employees. I think it's necessary for tax purposes and you know, payroll and, and so on and so forth. But, but the reality is, you know, we truly a company, you know, try and solve problems. And, um, and so uh, that is the ethos when we come uh, to the workday. Now, obviously, I want to be mindful of the personal lives of my employees. And so I know them all by name. I know their wives, I know their kids, I know where they go on vacation, I know what they do. Uh, and it's almost like treating them like friends. And in reality, they are friends, uh, except, you know, we have friends that are trying to solve a problem, a uh, specific problem with, with technology. And so that is kind of the, the approach I've brought uh, towards everyone in the company. And we come together. You know, we had uh, one of our uh, engineers got really sick with COVID uh, and we kind of get at all our resources trying to figure out, you know, how to get transportation for him, how to get him in the hospital, how to get everything done. That was a teamwork, you know, and we just kind of because we care about one, uh, one another. And I think that's kind of the ethos that was built into the company. And I really enjoy because ultimately, if we don't have um, beautiful human relationships, you know, everything that we do is kind of feels hypocritical. <laughs> you know, we're trying to, to help other folks, but we're not being nice to each other. We're not being kind to each other. So um, that is in day-to-day -day practice. That means, you know, just really asking them personal questions. Are you okay? Uh, what's going on with your life? You know, uh, and, and then once you ask it enough, people start being a lot more open and just say, look, Today I'm not feeling well, or I got in a quarrel with my kid, and I need to take the day off just to, you know, blow off some steam and, and whatnot. It's completely understandable. So, um, and that's that's kind of the the atlas, and that's the uh, I guess what you might call mindful approach to engineering employees. And also, if I had to let go people because I had to, not for financial reasons, not because I, um, you know, they didn't do their jobs and whatnot, but you know, you do it in a way that you explain kindly, you give them enough time to find a new place, support them in finding a new job and whatnot. And the two employees that I had let go um, at, at some point, because we pivoted the company and I don't need the service anymore and whatnot, we're still very good friends. 
you know, we go out, we have lunch, we have drinks, uh, all that stuff. So I love love to hear that. Um, I, I think that you know, finding that balance of of treating your um, team like friends and family, but also making sure that you are communicating openly with them and, and you know having those conversations as early as possible is. is um, something that I think everyone can can strive to um, accomplish. So we have a, a chat, a, a question in the chat. Do you use any specific apps or resources to support your practices? Uh, the direct answer is no. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's because over time I have accumulated a lot of different techniques and resources and I don't feel I need uh, the, the helper wheels or the, the crutches to, to, to move forward. I think Apps are great if you're starting off uh, in a particular direction and you want to practice breath work or you want to get into hypnosis or you want to do meditation uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, that's great. Um, I think one thing that I've kept constant is being voracious about learning new things. I don't stick to one particular technique. Um, although some techniques I've, I've done for two or three years uh, but I do mix them. I, I try different things. Um, and then at some point, you you start knowing yourself very well. You know what works. And it al almost like you kind of adjust it day by day. That being said, if you look for apps, a um, couple of apps that I can recommend um, um, is Waking Up by Sam Harris. Uh, yes, Waking Up app by Sam Harris. Um, and it's not only that he um, leads kind of a basic introductory course to meditation, but he has a, he invites a lot of folks that have different approaches, like from koan to the headless way, to open awareness and so on and so forth. So you get to learn from the best experts in every area, meditation technique. So I would recommend that app for meditation. Um, I uh, think tracking your sleep is a very important thing. I do it with an hour ring. So that's an app I use actually. Um, um, I would recommend the hour ring, uh, but um, you know you can do just basic. You know when I go to bed, when I wake up, you know journal or, or something of that sort. There's uh, apps that that track based on your breathing um, patterns and so on and so forth. So I'd recommend one of those. Um, I don't know them personally, but you know the hour ring is is great for tracking your sleep. The other thing that I um, have learned recently and I want to delve into is called uh, an app called Reverie which is a hypnosis app, uh, which is uh, a new thing that I haven't done. I've, I've you know, done without intent hyp hypnotic states. Um, and I, I practice lucid dreaming, um, you know, so I've, I've delved into, into that space, but hypnosis is interesting to me. So Reverie is the, is the name of the app. It's, um, it's free. Um, I would, you know, say, go try it. Uh, and then other things are like yoga nidra, um, gong <laughs> and there is I'm sure for all of those there's a million apps out there um, there's none, none particular that I that I use um, but I think if you kind of start exploring and, and learning you are finding what works best for you looking at your your global perspective um, you know you are in Bulgaria right now and you're you know you've definitely been very well traveled as well curious how that perspective has impacted you and impacted your your mindfulness as well hmm. interesting question so if you asked that question of me 10 years ago i probably would have said well it's 
edit a lot, you know, because I've been so many cultures, I've done deals in so many cultures. There was a previous job that I did, corporate job, where I had to deal and actually sign deals in 40 different cultures from, you know, China to Brazil, to Germany, to South Africa and whatnot. Um, and that felt like a, a very important thing that I've added in my kind of uh, instrumentarium, uh, but looking at it now, I just see that as an ego trip, you know, okay, well, I've, I've done a bunch of things, but have I really added anything uh, that, that makes me grow as a person and be helpful to other folks? Because ultimately that's to me, life comes down to two things, you know, being present at every moment fully, and then being helpful to other folks. Um, and so I've, come to realization over the last 10 years through the through the practices that I've done that you don't need to go anywhere to be everywhere you know you really your internal world is as big and even bigger sometimes than the external world and then you know all the universe that we see and so you can explore without going anywhere so to some extent it's kind of uh, yeah great <laughs> I've traveled I have um, all those experiences, but you come back to the realization, well, it's one earth, everybody's the same uh, person anyway. And if you treat everyone the same way and hopefully try to help everyone everywhere, um, things are going to work out. And that's kind of my attitude now, uh, open to change. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's kind of my attitude now. Yeah. Open to change. I, I like that. I think, you know, there's a, uh, a massive, uh, I think, need or, or sort of uh, perspective, the, the, the new perspective now is that this global perspective is is the sort of standard and, and a lot of people need to be dealing across borders and, and traveling internationally. And um, I think also in the last year or so, a lot of people have sort of put that pressure on as well. I feel like I, I think the perspective that everyone's human and as long as you understand that, the need for, for having that global impact and, and um, global reach is a little bit unnecessary as long as you, you're conscious of the fact that a human is a human and they deserve to be treated with kindness and empathy and um, to be helped. I think that that's, that's a, a yeah. perspective that you don't necessarily hear from, um, from a lot of people that are, you know. Yeah, I think you also need to bring a very healthy dose of humility because uh, whether we are mindful of that or not, we are, um, you know, super privileged group of folks that can travel. Uh, and in the eyes of big chunk of humanity, we are the global elite, you know, the, the oppressors, the one percenters, the, the people that, you know, live the jet lag life and, and whatnot. And, and so, and that sometimes, you know, you start believing those things. <laughs> so bringing a healthy do dose of humility and just saying, look, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be helpful uh, and, and, and approach that. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a balance because ultimately social change does occur. Uh, and I'm very curious of how that's all going to play out. Globalization versus localization, global, it's, you know, I mean, these days, I think people in London, New York, and Hong Kong have more in common than, you know, uh, uh, people in, yeah, there's no, there, there's no difference than, you know, England or, you know, China or, uh, or the US, you know, so um, that global perspective is inevitable, but to some extent, it, it brings its own problems. So I think humility is very important. 
So, so kind of touching on, on humility, I think that um, humility is a very important quality when it comes to leadership in general. I think that it's sometimes not necessarily seen that way, but curious, um, who are some of your leadership examples, both good and bad? Who, who is someone you look at and say, this is what I've sort of strived to be as CEO of, of Edamom? And who was who someone you looked at and said, this is the exact type of leader that I do not want to be and do not strive to be? Yeah. Well, <laughs> strangely enough, there, there will not be any people in business. Um, you know, so uh, I think if I take um, as example, historic figures that have done something, those will be the, the, the folks like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and Jesus Christ and Buddha and whatnot, folks that have come and, uh, and said, look, I want to help a lot of people and I'm going to do it because I have firm belief and I'm going to abide by certain principles, whether it's like, you know, such a nonviolence non-violence or, you know, love or whatever it is. Those are the people that I actually, whose actions and attitudes and approach to life and, and interaction with folks, I, I try to bring to my daily life into, into business. Um, so I, it, it's not anyone that I can point to, and, and I'm sure there's millions of examples of folks in the business world, I just probably don't know enough about them, but they're, they're definitely not the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Elon Musks of the world. Um, <laughs> I had a feeling those, those names might come up as a, as a no, they definitely are of a very specific- I mean, They're phenomenal people and I, I, I do admire them, uh, you know, for, for their vision, for their ability to execute, for the change that they're making, uh, but the approach they have is not the approach I value personally in my life. And, uh, and, and ultimately it comes down to, um, you know, where you find meaning and how, where you find happiness, so. That's very, very good. Um, yeah, they definitely seem to have slightly different priorities when it comes to their their businesses and their personal lives and their their companies. I, I don't know them. I mean, you know, yeah. the principle of you know, for all I know, they you know, I want a mask and be you know, Mother Teresa. I just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We'll we'll never know. Maybe maybe one day, if any of us meets, we can report back and 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 let everyone know. Um, so, looking at at the sort of. Um, healthy habits you've established, are there any healthy habits that you sort of experimented with um, that maybe you you didn't necessarily fit, um, felt like were a fit for your lifestyle? Um, and then what's the process of experimenting with these new habits and um, how would you maybe encourage your fellow entrepreneurs to to get started in experimenting with, with new healthy habits? Yeah, uh, gosh. Uh... There's a lot that didn't make it, and simply because um, there's only so many things you can do in life, and and ultimately I don't believe in too many things that complicate, so I try to reduce every habit to the bare minimum, uh, and sometimes you do things that you put away in your instrumentarium and come back to them. You know, uh, I used to have a fairly active breathwork. Um, everyday uh, practice, which I've kind of put on the back burner now, and I do occasionally breath work. Um, so it's not that I've given it up. It just, it's not something that I need right now. Um, I think the way to, the way I approach it, and I don't know if that's the way and everybody is different, but the way I approach it is I'm truly voracious about learning new ways to experiment with the, the, what, what, 
only I see as a system of mind, body, and spirit. Like, you know, it, it's one thing and everything that you do impacts everything else. You know, you can, which you focus on your body with your breath or with a physical exercise, you can change your mind. You can, you can change your attitude in, in, in your spiritual space and, and vice versa. You know, in meditation, you can change your body, you can change the, the biochemistry um, and so on and so forth. So finding what works for you uh, is great. And there's all kinds of things from the natural, you know, get exposed to, you know, sunlight, uh, to, you know, more kind of modern, you know, infrared saunas and cryotherapy and, you know, supplementation with either natural, you know, uh, herbs that have been known for ages like bacopa or uh, whatnot, or, you know, modulated pills that, um, that folks have extracted from various plants and, and whatnot. I do it all just because I'm curious uh, and I want to experiment of how things do, uh, uh, how my body reacts, my mind reacts, my spirit reacts. Uh, I've gotten to know myself fairly well. I can fairly quickly evaluate if something's gonna work for me or not. Um, and then uh, if it does, I try to fit it in the schedule. If it doesn't, obviously uh, I drop it out. And at some point, if I have too many things in the day, obviously they fill up too much space then I drop a few things. Um, uh, but, you know, I went through my day, the, the non-negotiables are, uh, you know, meditation, exercise, sunlight, eight hours of sleep. So. Definitely. I think uh, over COVID, I think there was a huge change in people's mental health and mindset because I think quite a few of those very important ones, exercise and sunlight were cut out. A lot of people didn't get outside. I mean, I, I can say that from a, a New York perspective, didn't really leave the house for a couple of days on end, which is very, I think, detrimental. And I think that, you know, the fact that you've gotten to the practice of um, being conscious of that is, is really incredible. I, I think a lot of people take for granted that um, they need to be outside, they need to be exercising, and they need to be um, taking care of themselves. And I think that when you think about it, and you take that proactive stance of, you know, checking yourself and making sure to, um, to, to stay on top of your, your own needs is, is going to take, make that big change. Yeah. But part of mind of mindfulness is being present and being, mm -hmm. is being aware of where you are and how do you feel? And, you know, I have fine tuned that to the extent that if something is bothering me, if it's very slight, I immediately notice it and try to find the cause. And it's it usually is some kind of a fear or desire, um, you know, and that in Buddhism, that those are the two things that kind of, you know, lead you to get attached to, to the material world. But, and you, have, you know, a practice to just kind of let it go. Uh, but, you know, that's mindfulness, that being present and just kind of knowing yourself. Uh, and that's not something that it, it just comes with practice. Yeah. You just have to do it and, you know, do it and then fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. And I fail at it hundreds of times every day. But, you know, the, the times that I actually notice something and change it, that's that's great that it works. And and so that keeps you in that centered space of not too excited, not too upset and kind of being not attached and, and really present and, and happy. I mean, there's no other word for it. It's joy and happiness, you know, of just being. Um, do you have any books or articles or resources that you think would be a good place for entrepreneurs to start who are, you know, hoping to, to become more mindful, giving themselves, you know, um, clear guidelines on, on where to where to begin 
I think it would be great to get a sense of where you started just so we can give those recommendations to other entrepreneurs. Right. Well, I can take, look, I, there are a lot of books if yeah. you want to, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Um, so I generally listen to a book every week and they usually kind of in that, that vein. Um, and uh, so there's, there's way too many, it depends on where you want to start. My personal journey in the mindfulness started with transcendental meditation, which then uh, switched to Kundalini yoga, which I got certified into, and then uh, I came across a course by um, um, Jeffrey, what's his last name now, um, that um, uh, basically gets you to awakening. It, it, it's 17 different techniques, uh, can pick the top hits from around the world that people have gotten enlightened. Uh, and he's got phenomenal, he's got a scientific approach to it, but he, he claims scientifically, and he's got a way to measure it, that 70% taking that course have gotten enlightened. Now, uh, enlightenment is a very loaded term, uh, but I do believe that you get to a place where, where things are okay. Um, and, um, and, and every once in a while you get to a place where everything is one. Uh, so I forget what his name, uh, the, the course that he teaches now is called 45 days to awakening. I think that I would recommend that, um, you know, there are places specifically, there are people that aggregate information um, you know, there are apps that I listen to, like Awareness Explorer. They're, they're purely scientific apps um, that I'm, I'm listening to, um, including Andrew Huberman and Peter Atia and whatnot. And they're more kind of medical, um, but, but those will be ones that, uh, uh, their podcast, sorry, um, those will be the ones I, I would mention. Um, Awareness Explorer sounds true is... Um, is a place where a lot of the kind of meditation, mindfulness folks end up. Um, you know, it depends on, I mean, there's so many ways you can you can go. Um, you know, Sam Harris that I mentioned is great. You know, Adya Shanti, somebody that I, that I like. Um, you know, there's so, so many different ones. So I, I struggle to recommend a specific course or book because everybody's different. Um, but those are the things. And then if you, if you want to just do lifestyle, I mean, there, there are basic things around nutrition. Uh, you know, uh, Why Do We Sleep, I think, is a great book by, uh, I forget his first name, but Walker. He's in Berkeley. Um, excellent book of just understanding the basics of sleep and why you should do it and how to do it. And what are the, the biohacks, you know, temperature in the room and when you eat food and you know, when you drink coffee and alcohol and all that stuff. That's uh, that's a great book. Um, what else? Um, in terms of food, uh, there's a couple. Um, Stephen Gundry is one um, that has written a book around nutrition, uh, although he's become a little bit too commercial, uh, peddling too many supplements. Uh, there is um, uh, another person whose name now escapes me, but he manages nutrition facts, and he's very pro-plant-based. Uh, but again, very scientific based. So um, really it's a rabbit hole. There's no shortage of places to um, to go and find information. Uh, I think you just pick one and start there and whatever interests you, you know, start with a basic meditation, uh, find person out and then just be curious about finding somebody else and 
and ask around. Um, and so, yeah, those are the things. I mean, right now I'm doing a meditation series called Ascension, Ascension Techniques, which is very esoteric, uh, very kind of, you know, very few people do it. I have a personal teacher, which I meet every two weeks uh, and so on and so forth, but I wouldn't have found that person before having done, you know, 10 or 12 different teachers before that and, and haven't gotten to a place where I'm ready. And I, staying goes, the guru, the guru shows up when you're ready for, for, for him or her. And so I think just start on the path, put the first foot and then put the next foot and then you'll get there. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 350 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our Health Moonshot Rolling Fund in collaboration with AngelList, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.